0: Hello, this is Carla, the Deadwood of Theme Park Films, just jumping on ahead of this episode to say if you have small children or larger children and adults that still want to believe in all the magic of Walt Disney World probably best not to listen all naughty words have been removed but we still touch on certain subjects which may ruin the magic for some people so listener caution is advised and if you're a pin trader definitely don't listen other than that we hope you enjoy the show hello thank you for choosing to listen to theme park films podcast we are carla and holly two friends from england who will ride the movies watch the film and give you our thoughts you can find us on at theme park films on twitter oh and just one more thing if you are driving whilst listening to this podcast please keep your arms inside the vehicle for the duration of the show thank you And welcome to Theme Park Films I'm Carla and as everyone joined by Holly Hello And this week Oh, but if month This week, like we're on weekly We're not this even on year, monthly this year. this year Yeah, this year <laughs> We are joined by a very special guest We have got Dave from the Not For The Dinner Table podcast Hello Yeah, hello Dave Thank you so much for joining us
1: Thank you very much for having me
0: So, well, we'll we'll, we'll explain why you're here in a second. I think the title title of the episode may give it away. But just for our listeners, um, tell us a little bit about your podcast, Dave, and what you do.
1: Um, So me and my co-host Sophie host Not For The Dinner Table. It's a podcast that is released every two weeks. And we talk about things that may not be suitable for the dinner table, but are certainly suitable for ours. So, we talk about things like ghosts and cryptids and aliens, and we've delved into a bit of medieval true crime and uh, some conspiracy theories. So, yeah, we really enjoy it, and we've been doing it for just over a year now. Um, and, yeah, hopefully it, it will continue.
0: Yeah, and it, it's a great show. I really recommend it. There's oh, uh, there's all sorts of uh, crazy stories going on in there, yeah. and... Yeah. Um, the, the dynamic between you and Sophie is just lovely. You can so tell your best mates. It's just oh, really – it, it's, it's, it's a good listen, so definitely check that out. But for today, we have Dave here because he's an ex-cast member of Walt Disney World. I am. Oh. Which is incredible. So um, – Last last year, I think it was, we had uh, we were lucky enough to get a cast member from Disneyland in California on, which was uh, Will. Great episode, and we always said, oh God, wouldn't it be wonderful to get one from Walt Disney World? Because that's the one that we tend to go to. We tend to go to Orlando is our yeah. primary one, and then we found you, and it was yeah. it was the greatest gift ever. <laughs> I was just so excited; I couldn't believe it. <laughs>
1: I don't think I've ever been called the greatest gift, so thank you very much (laughs) for that. I'm going to take that one.
0: (laughs) So you worked in uh, Epcot, is that correct?
1: Yes, Yeah. So it's quite some time ago now, but back in 2007 to 2008, I worked in the United Kingdom Pavilion in Epcot.
0: And how on earth did you get that job?
1: Well before I went there, I was working in the NHS and I wanted to take my younger brother on holiday to Disney. And so I was searching for holidays and then I saw a a link on their website that said jobs. And I thought, oh, I didn't didn't realise you could work at Disney and then stumbled on this cultural representative programme and applied for that uh, and got turned down. And so I emailed them back and said, I think you might have made a mistake because I was I was quite a a huge (laughs) Disney nerd. I was like, as soon as I knew that I could have a job there, I was like, I have to get a job here. It has to happen. And so they gave me a phone interview and then put me through to the face to faces, uh, their London offices. And then um, they interviewed us there uh, in twos. So you have an interview against another person. Oh, which is I don't know whether they still do that, but it was the hardest interview ever because you'd get asked a question and then they'd go. And what do you think to the other person? And so they would almost try and one up your answer with theirs, which was really, really harsh.
0: It Sounds like Hunger Games. It sounds horrific.
2: Yeah. Like would only one of you get the job?
1: Um, so the I was interviewed with a girl called Sabrina and we both got the job. Oh, OK so but at that that time you didn't know what you it did feel like right it's either me or her Mm. so i need to somehow destroy her and i don't know you
2: know good good answer sabrina but i would have done this (laughs) i'm
1: going to point out where you went wrong there sabrina (laughs) (laughs) um Mm. and then after that they said oh we'll let you know in about three weeks and I can remember speaking to my dad because it got to three weeks and I, I hadn't heard anything. And he was like, you know, maybe you just need to, you know, manage your expectations. Maybe this isn't the right time and maybe you can apply again. And I was like, yeah, yeah, maybe. And then I was at work and I checked my emails and I just saw an email uh, from the recruitment agency that worked with Disney. And I clicked on it and all I saw was the word congratulations and I didn't see anything else. And I just sort of burst out screaming and then ran out of the the hospital ward that I was working on and like all of the junior doctors were like is he okay (laughs) so yeah and then the rest is history
2: like so from getting the job then how fast do you go over to Florida like how how long do you have to sort of sort your life out back home
1: yeah so I um found out in November that I had the job, November of 2006, and I didn't go over until June of 2007. So I had a good okay. six, seven months to, you know, get everything prepped and sell as much as possible to, to sort of make some money and, and work to, to save whilst I was, um, so I had money whilst I was there. So yeah, it a, but some people can be sent over quite quickly. It mm. depends whether you are a new contract or you're there to Cover somebody because they've left or they've been terminated. Okay, that's the official word. Okay, <laughs> we would call it sacked. <laughs> <Okay>.
2: <laughs> <laughs> and do you like when you go with your contract? Like, do they sign you up like just for a year originally, or do you go like you could be there for life?
1: Yeah, so it's a year program. So you can be extended if they have the um, need for you to be extended past a year. So I was extended by a month. But the, it's quite popular in the UK to work in this programme. So they don't really have a shortage of people applying. Oh, but OK. Where um, you look at the Chinese pavilion in Epcot, there were some people that worked in that pavilion that had been there for three or four years because it was so difficult to get Chinese people to come and work for Disney that they just extended the people that worked there. Oh. Yeah.
2: And then, so so obviously you go over to, di- you know, you go over there and stuff. And then, you know, what's your sort of, what's the living accommodation
1: like? Um, so it was really nice, actually. It was, we lived in a gated community. So everybody that worked for World Showcase in Epcot li- lived in the same place, which was called the Commons. Um, there are a couple of more, there are a couple of others. Uh, when I was there, there was Vista Way, which is where all the college programme people lived. And I think Chatham House was also mainly for the college program. So those are American kids that during their summer breaks um, would come and work for Disney on the college program. And then the oh. commons was purely for the internationals. So when I arrived, it, it I lived with a Japanese guy called Tamoya and two French guys called Batisse and Benoit. So you live, uh, you have like a communal space and then you have a room, but you share the room with another person so okay. I shared the room with Tamoya, which was kind of strange to begin with, to get used to, because I'd never been in a situation. I mean, I'd shared a, a room with my little brother when I was younger, but <laughs> yeah. I'd never been in a situation where I was sharing a room with a random person that yeah. is from another country and is culturally quite different. So like for one, I can remember one day I came home from work and there was a girl with Tamoya in his room. And I was like, oh, yeah, no problem, no problem at all. And he was so, so mortified that he he came out, kept apologising. They weren't doing anything. They were just sat talking. And I was like, it's absolutely fine, Tamoya. Just, you know, put a tie on the door handle and I'll know (laughs) not to come in. Like, it's absolutely fine. And he was like, oh, I'm so sorry. I'm so, so sorry. Um, But then eventually I moved in with another guy from the UK pavilion because there were single bedroom apartments, so one beds and a lot of the countries liked like to keep those within the country so you try and keep um the one beds because they were the nicest apartments they were usually hmm. quite big for only having two people there so i was asked to move in with him and i was like yep yeah, no problem because there's no um You can't, I don't know whether you can now, but at the time I was there, it it was men um, and women were kept separate. So you couldn't live with females. You only lived with males. So, which was great for me because um, I'm gay. So (laughs) (laughs) it meant meant that like if I had a relationship with somebody and I could move in with them, it was, I think it was very forward thinking of Disney at the (laughs) time. But um, no, it was, it was really nice. It was reduced um, rent. Um, everything was taken care of for you. You just had to clean the place, keep it clean. But yeah, it was it was really nice. I really enjoyed living in the commons. It was good. And then they put on transport to and from work. So you just would get on the sea bus to go to Epcot every morning and then they drop you off at the cast member entrance and then you would go and have some breakfast and then go to work.
0: Okay, so when when you initially applied, did you know you were applying for Epcot or do they just kind of give you a park and a place?
1: Yes, because the Cultural Representative Programme, is what it was called, is mainly based in Epcot. So it's the the 11 countries. I should know that. I think it is 11. I can't believe I'm even questioning myself. That's... (laughs) But let's not continue this interview it's over <laughs> <laughs> I, I failed as, as a Disney nerd
0: you sound like a probe to me and I'm afraid you're gonna have to leave
1: <laughs> but yeah so it was it was mainly for that but there were a couple of others that would work in different areas so some individuals would work in guest relations and they would still be in the cultural representative program so guest relations would be Um, you know, your sort of front of house. So if you go into the Magic Kingdom on the left, you could go and get your It's My Birthday pin or It's Our Anniversary celebration, things like that. So, yeah, mainly in Epcot, but some guest relations as well. And some Animal Kingdom um, jobs as well. We're also cultural representative, but obviously not the United Kingdom.
0: (laughs) No, that wouldn't work, would it? No, no. (laughs) Whenever I go past the UK, and I'll be honest, I don't often stay very long in the UK part of Epcot because I'm from the UK.
1: Mm
0: -hmm. Did they ask you to like exaggerate your accent or something? Because someone called my dad Bloke once, and I was just like, that would never happen. He was like, hello, Bloke.
1: Um, no, they never asked, they never asked us to exaggerate our accents, but we used to get a lot um of people coming in and going, so you're an actor, right? You're you're not you're not really from the UK. Right. And like, be like, they think yeah, you're putting the vo- yeah. accent on. They do, yeah. They think you're absolutely um an actor. And one day I'd left my name badge at home, so I had to wear somebody else's and it said that I was from Maine, um, in the US. And I think my name was Blake for the day. And this one American guy came in and he was like, I knew it. I knew you were actors. And all like, oh, because my name tag said Maine on it. And I was like, but because I can't correct him and tell him, oh, no, I've forgotten my name badge because that breaks the um, the show uh, of being on stage. I was like, oh, no, y- yes, yeah, I am from Maine, but I'm, j- I'm just filling in here. <laughs> originally from the UK, but live in Maine. And he was like, oh, OK. <laughs> So yeah, it was, oh. but they, um, it, you kind of do become a little bit more British the longer that you're there in a strange way, you yeah. are, you almost do become a little bit of a caricature of yourself mm. because you, you want to put it on because in a strange way, I became more proud to be British working there than I sort of ever have i have been at home. If that makes yeah.
0: sense, yeah, yeah, no, definitely, yeah, I can so, see that happening.
1: Yeah. Well, and
2: I guess for a, quite a few people, you know, that would go into you know the different countries. You, you know, you wouldn't have necessarily been to the UK like when you're yeah. visiting. So I guess some people would be like, "Wow, this is what the UK is really like."
1: Yeah.
0: So then yeah. you know when you're there, like, hello.
1: Yes. What what? <laughs> pip pip. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah.
0: I mean, it's not a bad representation. It's just a very stereotypical representation. But then, you know, a lot of stereotypes are based on fact. So it's not mm. necessarily, you know, I don't think it's a bad representation.
1: It is definitely very chocolate box, United Kingdom, like mm. village life and, and things like that. But um, yeah, it's, it was, it, you became more British, I think, as time went on. Yeah.
0: So what, what part of it did you work in? Were you in the Rose and Crown pub or were you in the gift shop? or?
1: Yeah, so I was in, so there was either food and beverage or merchandise and I was in merchandise. Um, oh, okay. you, you always became friends with people in food and beverage because they made the tips. So <laughs> <laughs> they, they made all the money. Um, so, yes, and not on purpose. Obviously, they were really nice people as well to be friends with. But it, it helped to have a friend in food and beverage. Definitely.
2: And again, do you get told, like, could you move from merchandise to food and beverage or you just, once you're in merchandise, like, you're there?
1: Yeah, you could, you could move. Um, I tried to move over to food and beverage, but at the time, there weren't enough people in the merchandise, so that was refused. Um, and I did, I just quite, I quite enjoyed merchandise because it was a bit easier mm. than um, waiting tables and working in the bar and, and things like that
0: just seems a bit less frantic in the merchandise shop. You know, you're selling, yeah. like, Beatles T-shirts, jars of shortbread.
1: Like, if it was quiet, we'd get to play with Winnie the Pooh and Eeyore and Tigger and Alice and Mary, and that was really fun. And I think one day, all of the uh, Peter Pan characters were there, and Wendy and Peter were running through the United Kingdom pavilion, being chased by Captain Hook and Mr. Smee. And all of these kids were just absolutely going into meltdown because this sort of live-action chase for Peter Pan and Wendy was happening. And it's like (laughs) the joy on sort of their faces and the parents' faces was just fantastic. So stuff like that you you kind of didn't get if you were over in food and beverage because it was very much, right, we have to get service going, get everybody seated, get them fed, get them out, get the next person in.
0: For anyone that's listened to the podcast will know, me and Holly are kind of – We always review Disney films as if they were adult films. So, you know, we don't cut money slack or anything like that. We're quite to the point about things. And, you know, what you said about children watching, you know, all of that happening, it's just lovely. There's nothing nicer than seeing children with the characters. It's just heartwarming. But we have an issue with adults that that queue up to meet face (laughs) characters. So what I want to know, Dave, is... (laughs) Please tell us if the, the the girls that play Jasmine, yeah, are they ever worried about these strange men that queue up by themselves to meet them? Because we, we, we think there should be some kind of lookout for these <laughs> men. Not everyone.
2: But like Carla said, you know, it's fine. But, you know, like Carla said, you know, do you get these sort of obsessive, and not even necessarily just for the characters. I mean, sometimes people's, disney obsessions are borderline a bit scary you know do mm-hmm. you have those people who are always obsessed with seeing the character or you know that you see them sort of every day
0: hmm. i mean is yeah. that not worrying when you see an adult with no children? and i've been there about children don't get me wrong and i've stood with characters about children but you do get people that i don't know it just that they just tip into a little bit of the creepy stage
1: mm. I mean, there are there are quite a lot of locals that come to the parks anyway from Florida, um, and so you know read into that what you will because Florida is quite a strange place. Um, <laughs> when it when it comes to the characters, there are there, obviously there are two types. So there are fur, and then there are face, and mm. the face characters, so the princesses and the, the princes, yeah. um, are a completely different type of person because they are treated like those characters when they are um, on stage. And right. so you, they they are, some of them are not very nice. Mm.
2: The power goes to their head, I bet.
1: Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, mm. some of them are lovely. So I was really good friends with the girl that played Mary Poppins. And I was really good friends with the girl that played Alice in Wonderland, who then mm. went on to play Tink. And oh. they were they were really really lovely really really nice. But then others, especially when you get into the the proper princesses, so like Cinderella, Belle, uh, Snow White, they were vile, <laughs> like really really not nice because they are treated so um, well and they don't have to lift a finger and and nothing is they don't do anything. They literally just arrive, take photos, and then they go off stage again and and. Get han- weighted on hand and foot, so yeah, I don't feel too sorry for them having to to put up with. Uh, <laughs> like with they the deserve baby. it. Yeah, and to, and to be fair, I'm I'm tarring everyone with a, a, a broad brush. There, I'm sure not all of them are, are like that, but definitely no. the the ones that I met whilst I was there, um, they were not the nicest. Shall we say? That's
0: interesting, isn't it?
2: But I guess they, yeah, probably goes to the, the power. It's the power that goes to the head. Mm-hmm. But I, but with some of them, then you know, like with people that you knew or like had seen and stuff. Like obviously, it's you know they're in character. Like, are there ever times where you know, like someone says something or starts crying or just gets so emotional that you know, like after they've done it, they're like, oh god, that was just really, that was just really weird, or. Because obviously you don't want to break character, but, you know, sometimes like, I don't know, like, would you just sort of be a bit like frozen, like not know what to say?
1: Yeah, it's I mean, so an example I have is that when we so we have a graduation when you finish um, your time there. And after that, the tradition for the UK cast members is that we would go and drink around the world so we'd start in Canada so we'd British go, oh yes <laughs> and we'd make our way all the way around to Mexico and um, I can remember when I got to the UK we saw our friend on stage uh, as Mary Poppins and I'd already had a few drinks and so I called her by her real name on stage in front oh. of other individuals and so quick as a flash she turns around and she's like what did you call me? Like, as in, you must have got that wrong. You must be mistaken in the, the guise of Mary Poppins. But then I went into complete meltdown and was like, oh my God, I don't know what I've said. And I, was, and I just couldn't even remember that her name was Mary Poppins. So I was just sort of <laughs> spouting all of these weird names at her to the point where my friend just came over and dragged me off. time yeah, <laughs> like,
0: to leave.
1: Yeah, we need to get to France. <laughs>
0: I mean the UK is only the second country, Dave. I mean was, what were you like for the time you got to you know, know Mexico?
1: It was it was not it was not a good ending to that day. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Do you think there's something in it that the princesses you got on with were the UK ones? So you were kind of based with them mm-hmm. all the time? And I guess they were played by British girls, yeah. were they? Or?
1: No. So none of the um characters were played by um, British people so they were all played by um, Americans.
0: So they they had to learn how to do a pretty good accent then for for Mary Poppins especially because that's like cut glass English isn't it?
1: Yeah and so and she also had to learn how to say supercalifragilisticexpialidocious backwards because obviously that's what Mary Poppins can do oh. and she could literally <laughs> really I mean I can't But she could reel it off like that, and again, like just seeing the kids' faces would be like, "Wow, it must be her because she knows how to say it backwards." It's just crazy.
0: Yeah, that's incredible. Oh, she had it hard, and she had a very hot costume as well. I'd imagine.
1: Yeah, yeah. They used to sort of, as soon as they got backstage, they would sort of unzip as much as possible and just cool themselves down because it gets so so hot in in Florida, as you know.
0: So I guess, you know, even though Jasmine probably gets the most pervert, it's probably nice because yeah. at least <laughs> she's nice and cool.
1: Yeah, exactly, exactly. You know,
0: you've got a give and take, haven't you, yeah. really? Yeah, So at least she gets to, you know, keep a little bit cooler. And she's in a nice air con- – Morocco's air conditioned where she stands, isn't it?
1: Yes, absolutely, yeah. absolutely. Yeah.
0: <laughs> That's one of my favourite things to do is watching people meet Jasmine because I just like to play a game of is this a predator or not. I don't know, just <laughs> –
1: Oh. That is brilliant.
2: <laughs> like Carla goes all the way to Florida just to do that. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Set up a little seat without here for the day. Well, you know, because it is—it's a nice air-conditioned building. You know, you can just watch uh, the, the meet and greets, and it's really nice when the kids go up, and then you just see like this man with a bum bag, and <laughs> you're like, uh, uh-uh. yeah, wrong and. <laughs>
2: on your days off when you're there, like, do you, you know, do you still immerse yourself in Disney? Do you go to the other parks or did you, were you just like, I'm done. I need like a break from, from Disney. I'm just going to go to the beach or.
1: I don't know whether they do this now. I think things have changed slightly, but when we were there, we got free entry to the parks all the time. So at the moment, because of the new Star Wars um, land in Hollywood studios, all of the cast members cannot go to that area of Hollywood studios or Hollywood studios at all because it's so busy. So they Mm -hmm. uh, are blacked out from going there, but we never had that um, when I was there. The only Mm -hmm. things that we occasionally had blacked out were the water parks because they would be busy during the really hot months of the year. So they would limit us going there. Um, Mm -hmm. But yeah, we would go to, I mean, it got to the point where me and my friend one day went to Hollywood studios And we walked around for about half an hour and we were like, do do we want to go on anything? No. Should we just go home? Okay. And at that point, it was like, what is happening? Sort of people save up all of this money to come to this place for a holiday of a lifetime. And I walked around for half an hour, didn't want to do anything and went home. Yeah, I'm done. I'm done with Hollywood Studios today. (laughs) But but, um, yeah, we had... Uh, annual passes to Universal and Wet and Wild and all of the other parks as well. So usually we would have um, days off with other people in our, te- in our team, in our area and other people in Epcot. So we'd usually get a group of us together and, and go somewhere uh, for the day if it was one of the, the Disney parks or one of the other parks within Florida.
0: So is there, is there like, in, in Disney, obviously not with, you know, the cast members, but I'm talking about, like, the Disney culture, is there a real sort of rivalry between Universal Studios?
1: <laughs> yeah, so if you didn't get a job at Disney, you went and worked at Universal. Because oh. Disney, the expectations <laughs> were so high on you. Um, so we had, when I got the job, you get sent a Disney lookbook. And that is how you are expected to look when you are at work. And it goes down to the types of moustache you can have, the type of haircut you can have, um, that you're meant to be clean shaven if you don't have a moustache, that you, if you're a man, you can't have any earrings, you can't have any visible tattoos. They are so um, hot on the Disney experience, the Disney look, that people were terminated. They were sacked for not adhering to that. So... One of the guys I worked with was sacked because his hair was too long. So the, the manager just said, I'm, I'm sorry, I'm just going to sack you. What? Oh, um, yeah, yeah.
2: wasn't even allowed the opportunity to get a haircut?
1: No, he was just sacked.
0: I mean, that could be solved with a haircut.
1: <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I, I literally, I can, to this day, can still remember one of my friends coming over and being like, so-and-so's just been sacked. And I was like, Why? And they were like, oh, the manager sacked him because his hair was too long. And I was like, <laughs> what do you mean? he <laughs> was... had like about three, I think, three days to pack up his things and get a flight yeah. back home. I was sent home from work for the day because I had too much stubble on my face. And bearing in mind at the time I was 23 and could barely grow anything on my face. <laughs> so I've gone to work and my manager, who was this really... Uh, Bold, fat, short, stack man. I mean, think like the fat controller from Thomas the Tank Engine. Oh, yeah, you kind yeah. of get the idea of what Clyde was like, but really yeah. American as well. Really American. Oh. And um, so he, he came over and he was like, what's that on your face, sir? And I was like, oh. <laughs> like, I was, I was like nothing, there's nothing on my face. And so he sent me, to, he said, I can't let you go on stage looking like that. He said, so go and try and find a razor and some shaving cream and have a shave. So they used to have vending machines uh, backstage where you could go and buy food and things, but also toiletries like a razor. So I drove around uh, because we used to have little golf carts that we'd drive around the back um, of Disney. They were so much fun. (laughs) If I if I wasn't sort of working on stage, I was driving somewhere in a a (laughs) cargo. I just used to make up excuses. I'd be like, I just need to go to the front of the park. And they're like, what for? And I'm like, oh, uh, I just need to go. See (laughs) you. Yeah,
0: bye. (laughs)
1: And um, so I went around trying to find a razor, couldn't find one. So came back and I went, I'm really sorry, Clyde. There isn't a a razor in Epcot. And he went, well, I'm not letting you go on stage like that. So you can go home for the day. He said, but do not ever come to work again with your um, facial hair like that. And I was like, "Okay."
0: I mean, that's not really a punishment, is it? You get the day off. Well,
1: I didn't get paid. So, um, yeah, yeah.
0: So what is the, because obviously, you know, there's a huge focus on the backstage area of, of Magic Kingdom and you can go into Utilidors and blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. Um, but you never really hear about what it's like backstage at Epcot. So what what what's it like behind the scenes?
1: So it's massive. If you think that Epcot is quite huge anyway, when you're in mm-hmm. the park itself and there's this sort of vast area backstage that you can get to. So if you worked in uh, Mexico, Norway, Canada or the UK, you were able to walk on stage to your pavilion to go to work. If you worked in Mm -hmm. any of the others, you were not allowed to walk around World Showcase to get to your pavilion, it was forbidden. Because again, there's this massive thing that comes from Walt and Disneyland. He didn't like seeing the cast members that worked in Adventureland Um, walking through Tomorrowland to get to Adventureland and so everything is based on that with Disney World that's why Magic Kingdom's got all of the underground tunnels and why Mm -hmm. there's such a big backstage area of Epcot is so that you'll never see someone from the UK uh, walking in around in costume in Italy and, and vice versa so there's this massive big backstage where everything is kept so the uh, um, illuminations, which is now finished unfortunately, so mm. they keep sort of the a lot of the stuff for that backstage. Um, all of these sort of unused rides that are no more. So the health, I don't think it was the health pavilion, but in future the future world part of Epcot, they used to have that journey journey through the body. Oh
0: but was it down walls or something?
1: So that was all closed off whilst we were there um, and it was only ever used for um, one-off events. So right. that sort of became a bit of a backstage area that you could go to um, as a cast member. There's a huge restaurant that had a subway in it and loads of different other restaurants, quick service restaurants that you could go and eat your lunch or get some oh, really? in when oh, you arrive. That's interesting. When you, you'd get dropped off and you'd walk through um, the cast member entrance and then on the left would be where they kept all of the costumes so you never had to wash your own costumes if you didn't want to you were only allowed a certain number at a time uh, but you could just take them back and then get them changed over and so that's where you went and got your costumes from and then there would be a little break room area there at the front of the park uh, or for the cast members um, area and then you would get a bus if you were in one of the different pavilions from that area round to your area of world showcase
2: so like how how before you started well like what time would you normally say start work on a morning
1: so there was a couple of different shifts so if you were working on the pin cart and you had to get that stocked up you had to start at eight o'clock in the morning but if you were just working normally you didn't start until 10 because world showcase opened later than the front of the park um, which was really nice because you could always have a, a lie in. So if you'd been out the night before, which usually happened, <laughs> you, you were never too too bad because you didn't sort of tip up to work until you know ten o'clock, and then you'd go and have your Monday briefing with the manager every or morning briefing with the manager and the different pavilions. So the managers look after about three pavilions or two. Oh, okay. Um, so Canada, the UK, and France were looked after by the same group of managers so we would always have our briefings in the morning together so that's the only time you we were allowed to walk to um the different areas
0: Yeah, because it's roped off isn't it early on in the morning so you can't you can't get around it
1: but i think the longest shift i did because the other issue is they, they can force extend your shift right so if you someone calls in sick and they haven't got any cover they can force extend you so One day I had the pin shift, uh, so I was meant to finish at like four, but then the guy that was working the floor stock shift, so they're like the supervisor for the afternoon, called in sick. It was extra magic hours, so I was force extended until one o'clock the following morning. Oh my god! Yeah. That was hard work. I was quite hysterical by the end of the day. <laughs>
0: I'm not surprised. you. It sounds horrific.
1: It was. It was. I felt not the...
2: writing
0: a letter on <laughs> your behalf.
2: Are they ever, like? Are they like? We're so sorry about this. Were they like? Well, there's nothing we can do. So you're there. so You're stuck on your pin cart.
1: Yeah, no, that just... was a, yeah. I just had to work everywhere after that. It was just so because I then became the floor stocker. So you have to make sure that everything is stocked. You have to make sure everybody takes their breaks. You have to make sure that um, everything is counted for the tills. Um, so yeah, it was just a really, really busy day. So I was, I wasn't mad at the managers. I was mad at the guy that called in sick because I knew that he yeah. wasn't
0: sick. Uh, so. well, uh, that's always annoying isn't it and yeah, you can't yeah. say anything you just have to like really yeah. get annoyed
1: that's it. yeah
0: well holly and, used to work for me so i i know that feeling the amount of times holly found him sick and i knew she wasn't really sick and it's like oh, i can't say anything even though i know a manager i know she's not ill <laughs> and she used to get a rather charming husband then boyfriend to do it as well yeah and she knew that i couldn't say no to adam because he was bloody lovely
1: that is brilliant. Carla
2: would be like, he sounds like Prince William. So I'd be like, Adam, you need to call Carla for me and tell me I can't work. Um, what is like, I mean, how much money does say a pin cart take in a day?
1: Oh my god, the amount of money that we we used to make a day on that pin cart is ridiculous. Um, it was probably around twenty to twenty-five thousand dollars a day. <gasps>
0: See, now this is another thing, and anyone that's listened to us will know that me and Holly don't understand pin collecting. Uh, Again, not an issue with children. Absolutely fine with children collecting pins. What what an issue with
2: children, Can't They can't afford
0: it. The pins are outrageously priced. I'm just saying that if a child (laughs) wants to collect pins, that's sweet. But you get adults that literally, I don't even know... I don't even know how they're walking. They've got so many pins hanging around their neck on the lanyard. Well, you
2: need to you need to mug them because they're probably worth, you know, thousands of those <laughs> neck.
1: There was this one guy who was a massive Donald Duck fan, and he used to come, he was a local, and he used to come into Epcot probably at least twice a month. Um, but he would always wear his pin coat. So it was <laughs> like a sleeveless to the floor coat that was covered in Donald Duck pins. Like it must have been so heavy. But and he would come right and like literally every he'd come in once every two weeks or uh, to just check to see if there were any new Donald pins. So he would look at the pin carts, but then he'd also check all of our lanyards because pin trading is is, is huge. That's why they sell so much. And if you've got a blue lanyard and you're a cast member, you can trade with anybody. But if you've got a green lanyard, you can only trade with children. And so after um, putting up with a lot of adults coming and trading pins, I said to my manager, look, can I have a green lanyard? Because all of the pins that I wanted the kids to have were gone because the adults were taking them Mm. because there are hidden Mickey pins. So those are the collectors and they're only cast member exclusive. So you couldn't buy them. You have to get them from cast members by trading. But they have a little hidden Mickey on the pin and there would be different sets. So there'd be like a monorail set and a villain set and a fast pass set. And so... I changed over to a green lanyard, but then what started happening was that the kids, that you'd see the parents speaking to the kid before the kid would come over to me and they'd be pointing at the lanyard and going, you wanna get that one, you wanna get that one. And then he'd come over and they'd be like, can I see your pins? And I mean, that phrase is ingrained in my brain. (laughs) And I think if you spoke to any cast member, can I see your pins is probably one of their most hated phrases. And you'd be like, yeah, sure thing. And they go, oh, and then they'd obviously see one that they liked versus the one that their oh. parents wants to get. And they'd go, oh, can I have that one? And I'd be like, yeah, sure. And then literally from 20 feet away, uh, the mum would storm over and go, no, 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 no. <laughs> you need this one. You need this one. And it would be like, oh, there goes the magic of pin trading.
2: So if I came up to you and I said, hi, can I, and you were wearing a blue one, a blue lanyard, do you have to trade with me or can you yes. say no?
1: no oh, you I, do have, have to. I have to. I have, I have to, to trade with you. But because they get cleared out so uh, quickly and then we used to just have all the rubbish ones that people would buy to pin trade, people would come over and they'd be like, can I see your pins? Um, and you'd show them and they'd be like, ugh and then they just walk off or some people would just come over to you not ask to see your pins look at your lanyard so they're looking you up and down like really funnily and you're kind of like this is really awkward and weird and then they just get, sigh again and walk off and you'd be like I feel kind of dirty I feel like, like what has just happened here obviously not good enough for you
0: yeah God, it's a minefield, isn't it? I mean, you know, I mean, we we laugh at it. That's probably what was paying your wages with all yeah. these pin trading, right?
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the amount of money that Disney makes on a daily basis is, is ridiculous. But yeah, the, the pins w- were humongous.
2: Do you get told, like, in your, like your morning meetings and stuff do you get told things like either if there's going to be any like VIPs coming into the park or if there's going to be any like new drops of like you know you you, that you're expecting like sort of you know these pin traders to come or you're you're getting a new line of stock in and they're, they're expecting it to sell out in a matter of you know seconds sort of thing
1: yeah so we do yeah we used to get told when VIPs were in the park so we met quite a lot of um VIPS. I suppose the most famous person I met was Mariah Carey.
2: Wow! You just say that like you know. I was expecting it to be someone a bit a bit rubbish.
1: Oh,
0: you were playing it way too cool then, though.
1: (laughs) The most bizarre thing I've ever experienced in my life. So I was working in Queens, which is the perfume shop, um, Mm. and I saw her entourage come into the tea room, which is linked to Queens at the bottom end, and I was like, oh my god. Oh my god, it's happening. Because we knew that she was in Epcot. We knew she was there, and we just didn't know whether she was gonna be coming to the UK or whether she, you know, she was we didn't know what she was gonna do. And so I sort of see her come in, and obviously we can't we can't freak out about her being a celebrity. We have to be like professional. So I'm sort of like slowly hyperventilating, thinking that like Mariah Carey is two feet away from me. And then she gets closer and closer, and I'm like, hello, and then I'm overly British. <laughs> because like, I feel like I have to put it on I'm like hello, hope you're having a really good day And she's like thank you And like barely doesn't even look at me And then sort of glides out with her entourage out the other room And I sort of picked up the phone Because um, we all had uh, ha- not landline phones In all of the shops But they could also call the phones In your apartments
0: Oh, okay
1: So I I'd rang my friend in the morning anyway To tell her that Mariah was in the park because she was working the late shift in The Rose and Crown. So I ran her straight back and I was like, she's just been in the shop, she's just been in the shop. And she's like, okay, you need to calm down. And I was like, I can't, I can't, I'm just sit I'm just up." She was like, just take a breath, take a breath. And I was like, okay. But yeah, it was, It that was the most famous person. But uh, loads of Disney, um, so the Jonas Brothers, we sort of hang out with and and had a chat with them backstage Uh, loads of people from high school musical because I think whilst I was there it was the second high school musical had just been released so Uh high school musical was humongous the Um, best
2: one high school musical too
1: indeed indeed in my opinion (laughs) Zac Efron dancing across a golf course what is not to like (laughs) (laughs) but um yeah it was so yeah we'd get told about VIPs we'd also get told sort of on the hour what the capacities were like at the other parks because we were quite close to uh, Hollywood Studios but also we were always the second park that would get filled up after Magic Kingdom so as soon as Magic Kingdom was shut at capacity we knew that we would start to see an influx through our doors because it for some reason if they would go to Epcot after Magic Kingdom
0: Is it because of the monorail? Because you're connected by a monorail and and the other two aren't. So I guess you just yeah. wait for I'll just stay on the monorail.
1: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, And we'd also have sort of storm watch because we knew that obviously we're tropical in Florida. So we'd get a lot of storms that come through uh, because we'd have to shut certain things down quite quickly if there were lightning strikes too close to the parks. Uh, so one time I can remember, again, being out on the pin cart and um, you've got the World Showcase Lake and I could sort of see all of this thunder and lightning going on in the distance and I sort of rang up my manager and I was like, hi, Matt, um, I'm just looking across towards sort of Mexico and Norway and it's not looking too great over there. Do we need to shut the pin cart down? And he was like, no, 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 no. And I was like, okay, no problem. All right, I'll carry it. I'm, I'm stood under a tree. So, you know, <laughs> I'm, I'm getting worried for myself. And With a I- load of metal <laughs> pins. exactly. <laughs> And so all of a sudden I see a sheet of rain just rush across the lake. So the lake's completely still and then it's like pit, 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 pit. And then I turn around and my manager is running out of the sports shop and he's going, close the car, close the car. And I'm <laughs> like, what is happening? And there have been so many lightning strikes so quickly that everywhere was trying to shut down as quick as possible.
0: Um, so like, I was going to ask you actually about the weather, because obviously... You know you're British. We're used to the to the rain and it being you know quite gloomy most of the year. We normally get well, about a month for of summer if we're lucky. So yeah. how did you adapt to that extreme heat? And Epcot, I always say Epcot is the hottest park because you yeah. are surrounded by that water. There's there's not a lot of shelter in Epcot. It's it's boiling.
1: It was hot a lot of the time. It definitely takes uh, a while to get used to it. Especially as well, because at the time they've changed the UK costumes, but we, the gents had to wear knee high woolen white socks oh. as part of their costumes. So our our, our tops were kind of like this, um, you know, Mark Darcy, like open flowy shirt sort of thing. And then we had these grey to the knee shorts and then we had the knee high white socks that we had to wear. So you were you were warm all the time even when um it wasn't warm you it was whenever it was hot you just didn't want to be outside so if you had a pin shift when it was really warm it was just the worst um, and then you just couldn't wait to get back into the air condition uh, air conditioning of the shops but um yeah it took a while and even in the winter months we actually did feel the cold because you do become acclimatized to it so even though it's not that cold from a British perspective, um, we still it still felt really cold for us because we were so used to sort of the heat of the summer.
2: Like when you're there for the year, do mm. you get holiday days? So like, could you come back to the UK for like a holiday or are you just there for the year? And then do you have to work like are they are there certain days like you have to work Christmas because it's the busiest time or whatever?
1: Yeah, so we had two weeks holiday for the whole year. So that's usually what Americans oh. get from a holiday perspective anyway. Mm. Oh, Poor
2: people. Awful, absolutely awful.
1: So I saved the majority of my holiday for when my parents came out. Oh, um, okay, So yeah. they have a bit of a holiday with them. Because that's, that, that's what happened with the, with the majority of people there, is that um, their families would come out for a holiday whilst they were working. So that's when they would take that time. I, was, I got to have Christmas Day off, oh. um, which was qu- quite nice. So usually it would depend on your shift patterns. Um, and if you had the day off, it, they usually let you have it off, even, even if it was Christmas Day. Oh, OK. Um, I had to work the 4th of July, which is probably the best day that I worked uh, at Disney because I've never... I mean, Disney do fireworks well um Mm. but the fourth of July fireworks in Epcot I've never seen anything like it in my life it was just the biggest fireworks show to the point where it felt like the ground was shaking it was that many (laughs) fireworks going off all at once it was amazing um we had to work Thanksgiving because that was quite a busy day but no Christmas I was off so we had Christmas day at, our, at my apartment and then people would just come in and out throughout the day because some people were working but they'd be working in the afternoon so they'd come in the morning and we cooked loads of food and turkey and all the trimmings and so that was re- it was really nice it was a very lovely Christmas. Oh that sounds nice
0: so I don't, I don't know if you're going to know the answer to this Dave but one of our uh, our younger listeners Zach yeah who, uh, who was 11 yesterday so happy birthday Zach Zach would like to know, how how do they choose the countries that are there? And he would like to see the Caribbean and Australia added, which I'm all for. But um, I don't know if you yeah. know how they chose which countries go there, because um, I've heard a rumour that there is actually room to add more. They just haven't got round to it.
1: Um, yeah. So whilst I was there, there was a huge rumour that Australia was going to be added as a country. Oh. Um Obviously, that hasn't happened because we are what thirteen years since <laughs> I was there, and still know Australia. Although the there is still- there is an there is an outpost um, between uh, two of the countries, and that was sometimes manned by Australian um, staff. So Australian people could still work for Disney, but obviously there was no pavilion for them. Mm-hmm. I'm not. I'm not 100% sure how the countries were chosen. I think that they did go out to um, embassies originally and countries and ask whether they wanted to have um, their country represented within World Uh, Showcase. uh. There is enough space to add, I think, four more countries to World Showcase, should they want to.
0: That would
1: be but nice. I don't know whether that's going to be the case now because they're going to do they're doing the France expansion for the Ratatouille ride,
2: yeah, and they're right. doing
1: the UK expansion for the Mary Poppins ride. Mm. So I think it's going to potentially be taken up by rides because because Frozen's been so massive for the Norwegian pavilion where they changed mm. the ride to, to to be the Frozen ride there. Um, I think. Disney are now looking to really put in rides that are associated with the characters of those countries if they can.
0: Yeah, well, which kind of makes sense, doesn't it? I'm surprised that they didn't do that earlier, to be honest. Mm. Oh, okay. Well, uh, hopefully that answers your question, Zach. So me and Holly always often talk about this. We spend too much time talking about it, I would say. But who are... These people that are British and actually eat in Britain when they're going round Epcot.
2: Yeah, like, do a lot of people do that or do they
0: not? Because I don't (laughs) understand this. I, like, you know, if I go into America and I see Americans there, I'm like, what are you doing? Why are you eating in your own country? It's utterly bizarre.
1: It's so that they can say how not like the country it is there's this, <laughs> weird, there's this weird sort of thing that a lot of UK people like to do is come into the UK pavilion they'd be like yeah but it's not like this really is it all so it's not like mm-hmm. this.
2: that's the sort of thing I would do to be fair
0: yeah it's your, your nightmare
1: <laughs> and they would they do that with food as well so they'll go and eat the food and they'll be like yeah it's not like real English food is it
0: I can imagine that it is quite hard being British and having to do like whenever i walk into like a disney store in england Mm. i always feel like they're being sarcastic because it just doesn't seem natural for a british person to say have a nice day and i'm sure they're not being sarcastic i'm sure they're lovely people but there's something about it that just doesn't quite translate with a with a british accent and it does sound sarcastic
1: so when when you're trained you are trained to if someone pays by card you're trained to look at the card. And if it's got their first name on, you have to use their first name. Oh. So you'll be like, oh, thanks very much, Bob. Hope you have a lovely day. And that's so ingrained in you that you then start when you you go out and you see other people, you check their name badges and you're will you'll called by your name and you'll have a chat with them. So when I got home, I think the first week I went got home, I had to go to Boots because I needed to get some toiletries. And I got to the counter And there was this old lady on the counter. She rang up. She was like, oh, this is so-and-so. And I was like, oh, thanks very much, Wendy. Here you go. And I called her name, Wendy. And the reaction that she gave me was like, what the? How the hell do you know my name? Like, she was raging that I'd called her by her first name. And I was like, oh, it's just on your your name tag? And I was like, oh, God, take me back to the bubble. I need the Disney bubble. (laughs)
2: You have to like yeah. explain to everyone that like, I'm sorry. I, I've just been working a year in Disney.
1: <laughs> yeah, please forgive me. I'm yeah. so sorry that you know my customer service skills are, are so good right now. <laughs> <laughs> They'll get worse as time goes on.
2: Yeah. Did you used to go out to the resorts as well, or did you did you not have? Ever...
1: Yeah, we did it. We did everything. So. Stayed in quite a lot of the resorts. So Saratoga Springs, I really, really love. Mm, um, that's where we Lyle,
2: that's where my friend's meant to be going actually. Well, he's meant to be going in May,
0: but
1: yeah,
0: don't think it's going to happen.
1: So. No, no, no. <laughs> not.
0: Possibly. Yeah, I, I, well, I, in case you're listening in the future, we're currently in lockdown. the The world, it's the it's the coronavirus time uh, yeah. that we're recording this. So um, we're all sitting in separate parts of the UK, recording over the internet. So. Um, yeah, for the first time ever, Disney World is, is shut. Yeah, which no. I think the last time it happened was 9-11. Yeah, um, but obviously not for the duration it's been closed now.
1: Uh, because I still am part of one group on Facebook. And I, th- I think they've actually sent a lot of the UK cast members home that are, oh. that are doing the programme at the moment. I, th- I think a lot of them have been sent back.
0: Well, I, well, yeah, I guess there's no no point them staying there right now, is there?
1: Exactly. There was lots of perks, lots of discount, and they'd also do a lot of um, sort of team building stuff with food. Food was quite a, a key thing, where you would just come all to come together, and they'd do barbecues and cookouts and Aww. things like that. So that was really nice. And then they would do special cast member events. Um, in world show place which is just between canada and the uk it's like a private area that can be hired for certain events um so they do like a cast member appreciation day where you'd Aww. go and like get loads of food and there'd be loads of prizes and figment would be there which was lovely because he wasn't sort of always out at that time because i think they'd shut journey into the imagination whilst we were there um mm. so you didn't get to see figment so that was nice. And he was my housemate's, my later housemate's sort of favourite character. He was a huge Figment fan. So that, oh. that was a great day for him. <laughs> he, he absolutely loved that. 13 years since I worked there and I still talk about it now um, as yeah. one of the best experiences that I ever had.
2: When you it- were leaving, were you like, I needed to stay? You know, like, did you get into that? Was it a bit like, like you said, you know, were you in that kind of Disney bubble?
1: Yes it, it is absolutely that and you can even see it when you're there sort of when you leave the area of Disney to go to, to the wider parts of Florida or if you if we went outside the state you'd be like oh my gosh like what's happening you sort of see people walking down the street with guns and you're like what, what? Yeah. Where, where am I oh gosh yeah, I'm in America um, <laughs> but when you leave you Because you form this really strong bond with the individuals that you work with and and live with, because you're kind of there on your own. And we were all relatively quite young whilst we were there. We were all early 20s. Some of us were teenagers because they were doing their uni year or Mm. they were um, doing a gap year before going to uni. And so you sort of become such a tight knit group when it is time to go home. It is really, really difficult to, to, to leave. Um, I mean, you, you have to because your visa expires. I was extended for a little bit, which was quite difficult because at the time I was living with a new housemate and we both put in for extensions to our contracts he hadn't been there for the full year because he had chosen to come out and fill somebody who'd been terminated. So if you fill a terminated contract, you don't get the full year. You just get the, oh, the just remainder the of that contract.
2: Oh.
1: So we'd both put in for. Um, extensions I got my extension and he didn't get his Ooh. so that was a really difficult conversation so we went home and he was like I didn't get my extension and I was like oh I did I did <laughs> and I've already been here a year so, so that, oh, was, that's tough. That, was, that was tough but um yeah we had um we'd always have last lads or lasses so lads and lasses is kind of the way I describe it is it's a bit like a fraternity and a sorority so every Monday we would meet up as UK lads and UK lasses would meet up separately and we just all get absolutely trashed (laughs) all of the other countries would have their equivalents and then we would have times when we would play other countries at drinking games so whilst we were there we always lost to the Germans those boys could drink (laughs) so much it was ridiculous I mean I can remember meeting up with them in London quite soon after we all sort of came home and I had quickly forgotten how much they could drink until we sort of all met up again and I was like oh Jesus Christ but um so you'd have your last lads or lasses um and then you would go out afterwards and you'd get your last song and the last song was always Green Day's Time of Your Life to this day i cannot listen to that song without getting a little bit emotional about about it i suppose one of the things we haven't sort of touched on is when you get there they do this thing called a throw in which is oh, it's, almost, it's almost like an initiation so when i we arrived there was a couple of us and again like this was i don't know whether i could do it now because we went just on the cusp of like social media and smartphones. So, the first iPhone had only just been released. Uh, Facebook was still very much on computers. And so, you really had to sort of make an effort with I mean, I had a flip phone whilst I was there um, <laughs> rather than, uh, yeah, you just had to make quite a lot of effort to get to know in- individuals and, and like stay in touch. Whereas now, obviously, we've got so many different ways to do that. It's a, it's a lot, lot yeah. easier. And so we got there and they were like oh yeah you know we're gonna um, have a bit of a party to welcome you all it's gonna be at this apartment. And I was like okay so we all went along and we got there and there was just no one there and I was like oh Jesus like no one no one wants to meet us like what have I let myself in for I've just flown all of this way and I'm sat in a room with three other four other new people and no one wants to meet us that's great. So then they come and get you from that apartment and take you to another apartment and then they put you straight in the bedroom but as you go through you can see that every single person from the uk pavilion is in that room and then they bring you out one by one and then they introduce you to the pavilion so you sort of say who you are where you're from um they ask you if you're gay or straight they um get you to do a position with some kind of stuffed toy and, and they um, pie you in the face with like a pie and then they give you a shot of something and that's it. You're welcomed into the UK Pavilion.
0: Is this official?
1: Um, no, no, no. I was going to say, this can't be endorsed, surely. Oh, God, no, no. Disney would absolutely <laughs> not not endorse that. But in a strange way, it was a really nut because it sort of breaks down your, your barriers quite quickly because all of a sudden, you are telling everybody who you are, uh, ev- everyone's there, and you're making a, a bit of a fool of yourself. And so it just then makes it easier to talk to people and get to know people and, and things like that.
0: And British people probably need that. We need to be forced to do it. Absolutely. Because otherwise, we'd be like, you know, talking about the weather for the first six months you were there. Yeah, or something. yeah. and
2: yeah. then like, on the 10th month, you finally make a friend.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 To round off, Dave, what was your what was your top experience there? Would you say what's the what do you always look back on and say was the the best time the highlight?
1: So the best highlight for me was it was the twenty fifth anniversary of Epcot whilst whilst we were there, and I was chosen to take part in the twenty fifth uh, rededication ceremony of Epcot. So they did um, a similar ceremony to what they did when Epcot opened which was called the pouring of the water. So they had water, they didn't have uh, it for the rededication, but when it opened, they took water from each of the main rivers of the country. So like the River Thames for us. And then they would pour it into the fountain, which is no longer going to be there, I think. I think it's with all of the refurb of Epcot, they're going to, I think it is going. Oh, um, But I got to meet Marty Sklar that day. And so Marty Sklar is um, a Disney Imagineer who's worked on every single Disney theme park in the world. So he's wow. a huge deal for sort of Disney geeks. Mm. Um, and I got to meet him and have a a chat with him like this man knows or knew Walt Disney and worked with Walt Disney whilst he was alive so it was just sort of this huge deal and I was like can't believe that I'm meeting Marty Sklar and and my although it doesn't look like me and it could be a completely other person there is a photo of me forever in Epcot At that rededication ceremony, because they have like a timeline of events, and I'm in that. that I feel like there's always a piece of me that's there. So I suppose that was probably my highlight: is meeting him and doing that rededication.
2: That's fantastic. Wonder how they got the um the water from every every country. I'm surprised it passed customs. (laughs) I live next to the River Thames, and you know it's very brown and mucky. And did someone just, you know, take a small sort of little cup with them on the plane? I, I don't know. It's weird. I
0: wonder.
1: It is weird, isn't it? <laughs> Trust
0: Holly.
2: Sorry to take away from your, your moment. I'm just like, how did they get the water there?
1: <laughs> and it's just sort of like little things that I really loved. So, so Epcot is obviously Experimental Prototype Community of Tomorrow. But for people that worked there, it was every paycheck comes on Thursdays. <laughs> so that's when we got paid and um, finding out that like the Chinese didn't queue that was a, a big thing that I mm. never really knew so we would ke- be queuing up to get home on the bus and you'd have a nice orderly queue of um, all of the countries and then as soon as the bus turned up like 20 Chinese people would just appear from nowhere <laughs> in, in front of you and not queue and you'd be like what is happening <laughs> we are British we queue yeah
0: we're very good at queuing the British very very good
1: we are, and I suppose the other very memorable moment was when my uh, friend threw up on a guest. <gasps> so you know, I mentioned that we have our graduation, um,
2: mm. yeah,
1: day, and then we go drinking around the world. So my friend's was after mine, and but I was still working, and they had gone into the Raising Crown, and a, a mutual friend of of ours they had challenged each other to do a a beer slider. So it was all of the different sort of lagers ales finishing off with a Guinness. And there's a photo of them doing it. And my friend is on her is on the Guinness before my other friend has even drank the first one because they're (laughs) like, they're doing it as fast as possible. So she then proceeded to throw up all over a guest I hadn't seen them by this point because I was working. So then my other two friends come over and, um, and and they're looking really like sheepish. And I'm like, what's the matter? And they're like, um, so-and-so's just thrown up on a guest. And I was like, what? And she, was like, she was like, she's just thrown up on a guest. And I was like, where is she now? And they're like, we're getting her out of the park as quickly as possible before they understand it's her. And I was like, okay, <laughs> that's fine. So then I, I waited sort of an hour and then I rang her at her apartment and I was like, did anyone see you? And they were, she was like, yeah, we were, in the, we were in the pub. Everyone saw us. Everyone knows it's me. And I was like, you're a goner. I was like, they're, they're, they, they, there's no way that you are going to keep your job after being sick on a guest. And she was like, I know, I don't know what I'm going to do. And I do, to this day, do not know how she got away with it.
2: We'll end on that
0: note. So Dave, just tell tell the listeners once more, where can they find you normally if they want to listen to more?
1: Yeah, sure. So if you want to come and check out Not For The Dinner Table, you can find us wherever you find podcasts. And you can follow us on Twitter at nftdt or on Instagram at not for the underscore dinner table. I look after Twitter and Sophie looks after Instagram.
0: Great. I look, I look after everything.
1: Yeah. Oh, holly. Mm, I
0: know,
1: I
2: know.
0: But you know, it's a stressful thing, isn't it, having a podcast, Dave? And it's very <laughs> stressful if you can't share that responsibility.
1: <laughs> Indeed.
0: Yeah, <I> anyway. <laughs> So we are also the proud creator of the Brick Pod Scene, which is collected for British podcasts. If you head to BrickPod Scene on Twitter, all the shows we retweet are the shows that we endorse. And of course, Not for the Dinner Table is one of those. Holly, is there anything else you'd like to ask at this stage?
2: No, I don't think so. Thank you so much, though. That was so interesting.
1: No problem I, at all. I really
2: enjoyed it. <laughs> Not that it's like a shock, like, you know, the, but, you know, I was like, hmm.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Ask. And maybe maybe you'll come back again one day, Dave, and do another special with us and tell us yes. some more stuff.
1: I mean, yeah. there, there is a lot more to tell, so I'm more than happy to come back. <laughs>
0: That's a cliffhanger and a half. So, thank you very, very much for listening, and we will see you in the next one. Bye.
1: Bye. Theme Park Films podcast is part of Britpod Scene, a network of uniquely British podcasts that's always growing. Check out BritPodScene.com or follow Britpod Scene on Twitter to find out more.